Thanks, Bodhisattva. And again, it's good to be with you this evening. The book we'll be discussing this evening is by Mortimer Adler, entitled How to Read a Book. And I would put this book in the top 10 most influential books that I've ever read. So we'll take some time to talk about it this evening. I've often said that you know a book has been influential if you can remember not only the contents of that book, but where you were when you read it. Is there anyone here tonight that you can think of a book that's been very influential on you and you, you don't only remember what was in it, but you remember exactly where you were, even where you were sitting when you read that book? Anyone? Caleb? I was reading the biography of Jonathan Gopher one night. I read about a hundred pages and I, I, I remember I was sitting in bed, sitting straight up. Since my father told me to turn the lights off, I, I was reading from the outlet. Okay. Anyone else? While you're thinking, I'll give a couple examples. A uh, very influential book for me was Randy Alcorn, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. I had just been married, Melinda and I took a trip to Mozambique, and we were along the river, and we read that book, and we're just gripped and convicted of how we need to use our money for eternity. So, not only has that book been influential, but I remember exactly where we were. I'll give another example. Shadow of the Almighty, the story of Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary to Ecuador. I was... At our home church back in Wisconsin, the United States, I was single, early 20s, an intern at our church, and I was outside in the parking lot late at night. I was the only one in the church, and I was sitting down on the pavement underneath a street light, and I was reading that book, just riveted how influential that book was to me. Anyone? Can anyone relate with that kind of thing? Well, this book is like that for me. I read this book while I was on the Comorian Islands in 2009. I had been married for a year, and Audrey had just been born, and I took this book with me. I went to the Comoros for three weeks. Welcome. Good to have you here with us tonight. So I went alone and I met uh, a missionary in Turkey. We rendezvoused in Kenya and we flew over to the Comorian Islands and we were there for three weeks. It's a Muslim nation, 99% Muslim. And in the evenings, we just find places to stay. And every evening, I'd read a portion of this book because I was going to be teaching this uh, in a class at Limpopo Bible Institute. So I had my journal. And I wrote all the notes out for, for this book in my journal. And in between those notes, I was talking about the Comorian Islands. And I was reviewing that journal again this morning. And on the left-hand page was how to say all these phrases in Shinduani. Because we took a little boat from one island to the other. And I was saying... How do you say this? How do you say this? How do I say How do I say this? Of course, I had to ask, how do I say um, I love my wife? Because that's always the first phrase I learned how to say. So, uh, in Shona, Dinona Mukaze Wangu was the first phrase I learned how to say. 
I think that's probably the first thing I learned how to say in Tsonga as well. And I was learning how to say it in Shindwani. So there it was in Shindwani, I love my wife. And then on the right were the notes for this particular book. So we're going to study it today. And reading through, I, I did not go back to my syllabus uh, today. I wrote a syllabus summarizing this book for our students at LBI. And I didn't look at it. I just wanted to read through the book again. So I went through it, and it was just such a joy. And how many things I learned in this book that I'm practicing today, and you don't think about it. I just do it naturally. I read so much, I just do it naturally. But I got those things from this book. Now, here's the, um, here's the book that followed. And if we have time, later on, probably at the end of class, I'm going to have Seth look up on his phone. I wrote a review on this. And I think the review could be helpful. This is, this is the rules of reading. There are 15 rules to analytical reading. We'll talk about what analytical reading is. He has 15 rules for analytical reading. And then he applies it to conversation. How to speak with other people with those 15 rules. So we'll talk about that later. This book was excellent as well. Alright, well let's start off with a phrase. Uh, let's start off with this. This is by Blaise Pascal. And he said this, When we read too fast or too slow, we understand nothing. Now what does that mean? Well, first of all, we have to talk about this annoying word too here. Because I, I hear this word used incorrectly all the time. Alright? This word does not mean... Uh, very. It's often used that way here. My guys in the village always use two to mean very. Um, they'll come up to me afterwards. Hey, did you like the, did you enjoy the sermon? Oh, it was too, too good. It was too good. Well, that two actually means more than desirable. Two is, 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 um, more than permissible. It's excessive. That's how we're using that word. Pascal said, when we read too fast, that means faster than we should. He's not saying when we read very fast. He's saying when we read faster than we should. Excessively fast. Or when we read excessively slow. Uh, more than we ought to slow. We understand nothing. Now, I didn't make you notes today because last time when I taught the class, I thought it was going to be really easy. I thought, this is going to be great. I'm just going to stand up here. I'm going to take a book that I love and I'll just talk about it. But it's not that easy. So I thought, you know what? This time, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to give you notes. I'm just going to talk and read some quotes. And then please ask questions along the way. Let me give, let me give an illustration. Uh, sometimes you hear, see uh, speed reading courses. Speed reading courses will advertise online and say, we're going to teach you how to read faster. We want to read fast, fast, fast. There's so many books to read. We need to read faster. Well, Adler's point in this book, how to read a book, is not that we ought to read as fast as we can. Uh, sometimes he'd say we need to read faster than we sh should, but sometimes we need to read slower. He would say... We need to read at the right speed for what the book calls for. If the book isn't very good, we should read it quickly. And if the book's really good, we ought to read it very slowly. So let me give an example 
Uh, who's uh, who's your favorite player, Nico? Your favorite soccer player? Who who is the greatest soccer player in the world right now? Okay, Messi. Let's say Messi. All right. So we want Nico to learn how to play soccer really well. So we give him a video of Messi, and we say, "All right, I want you to watch this video of Messi playing soccer." And the first time through, we watch it. Normal speed. And then we say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We gotta slow this down. We're gonna put it in slow motion. Let's watch Messi dribble in between the guys. Oh, notice his footwork. Watch him, he's away from the ball. The camera's over there. Well, we got a special camera over here. Slow motion. We're watching every move that Messi makes because Messi is the greatest player in the world. Now, Imagine if you did that with me. You got me on video playing soccer. And you put it in slow motion. And here's Paul in slow motion, tripping over the ball, falling over, missing the shot. The ball hit him in the face. This is an example. If we watch Lionel Messi too fast, we're not going to understand what's going on. And if we watch Bodie Paul too slow in slow motion, we're not going to learn anything at all either. That's not going to help us. So that's why this phrase is very important. We need to look at a book. And look, every book is going to be like Bodie Paul playing soccer. Or it's going to be like Messi playing soccer. Or somewhere in between. And one of the rules of learning is we have to determine... This book that I'm reading, is it messy or is it Paul? We have, to, we have to determine that. And there's rules to determine that. Don't just come into a book and say, I don't know about you, but when I read a book, I read it cover to cover. I read every page. I read every word. That's a bad reader. That's like saying, whenever I watch soccer, it doesn't matter who it is. I put it on slow motion, and I watch every move that they make. That's foolish. It's not a good reader. So we have to determine uh, what kind of book that we're reading. So what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to go through each of the chapters of this book. You can see how much I marked up this book all the way through. You're welcome to take notes. I don't have notes for you today. I'm going to read some quotes. I'll have some we're going to do some assignments together today. I'll give you some handouts later on. I'll give you some books that we can practice some things. This is really a challenging exercise because what I'm doing right now is basically I'm taking the entire semester course of LBI and I'm trying to compress it into about an hour and a half. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go very quickly. Okay? Well, let's get to the first chapter, which is the art and activity of reading. And one of the points that Adler makes is that when we read, we need to be active readers. And the more active of a reader you are, the better reader you're going to be. Have you ever read a book before? Let's just be honest. Have you ever been reading a book before and then you just clocked out for a minute and then you came back to earth and you have no idea what you read. Has that ever happened to you before? Like your eyes just went over the words. And you were over the page and then you thought, 
I was just thinking about the lasagna that I was eating earlier today. Oh, and I was reading about the Puritans here, but I have no idea. Well, that's not active reading. Reading is active. We have to be active in reading. Now, this is what people think. People often think that in reading, the writer is active. And the reader is passive. And the reader says, the reader says, give it to me. Thanks, Seth. In fact, since Seth isn't here, I'm just going to test. I'm going to test how well you can listen. One of the points is this. Okay, yeah, so, so I'm going to test it. One of the points I think he makes in here is he says, um, we are not as good of listeners today as people were 100 years ago, 200 years ago. No one can answer on this side. None of my family because I've talked about this before. Because why? What do you think the reason is? Adler says... People today are not very good listeners. Did you hear what I said? Okay. They're not very good listeners today as they were compared to 100 years ago because... Does anyone want to guess the reason? Uh, they've been dumbed down. Their memory is kind of short. Okay, not bad. Why? Why is their memory not as sharp? Anyone else want to try I don't want to guess. Technology. Okay, technology. Anyone else want to try? He says specifically, uh, because of books. We have so much books. Back in the day, everyone didn't have books. In fact, when a teacher would give a lecture, everyone didn't have their own book. He would lecture, he would teach, and they would listen, and they would have to comprehend. Nowadays, it's just information, everything. We don't have to listen very well because... If I didn't hear it, I'll just listen to it. It's being recorded. I'll just look it up on Google. Right? I have my own copy, right? But in the past, you had to listen very, very carefully. So I'm going to test you, all right? Uh, someone help Bodhisattva understand this phrase. And what I'm actually doing right now is I'm trying to give an example of one of the rules of Adler for reading that he gave us later on. Because one of the things he says is, you will know if someone understands a proposition if they are able to put that proposition in story form. So, for example, you might say, here's a sentence. Did you understand it? Yeah, 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 I understood it. Okay, give me a story about that phrase. Okay, so I gave you a story about this phrase to help you understand it. Can somebody give that story to help Bodhisattva? understand what that means. Caleb? I thought thought you raised your hand, so I thought you were answering it. Could someone put that phrase in a sort of column? It's if you watch messy in slow motion, or if you watch you in slow motion. Okay. Uh, If you watched messy too quickly, would that be helpful? If you watched me slowly, would that be helpful? No. Is every book like Paul or like Messi? Or somewhere in between? Yes. Yes. That's right. Okay, so not every book is messy. And by the way, I've had Afrikaners tell me. They say, you know what, Afrikaners? That's the problem with books. They think if someone took the time to put something in a book, it's got to be good. So as soon as they see something written down, they think it's got to be true. 
Maybe you think that too. Don't think that way. Just because it's in printed form and you think, how could someone take that much time to make a Bodie Paul soccer book? Surely it's got to be, it's got to be messy, right? Well, it might be messy, but it's not Lionel messy as far as skilled, okay? So we have to make sure that we know what kind of book we're reading. And we can't know if it's messy, and we can't know if it's Bodie Paul unless we use a certain kind of reading. And we'll talk about that in a moment. All right, we just caught you up, Seth, what you missed. Some people think that when we read, the writer, Mortimer Adler, is active, and the reader is passive. We just sit there and say, give it to me. I'm ready. I got my pen. I'm ready. And we think it's kind of like this. That's what we think reading is like. I'm active. Boom. And he just, I can take it. That's not the way it is. What it is, is I do this, and Lawson does what? That's right. That's what it is. Or, let's keep up with the soccer. The soccer illustration. This is what reading is. And what do you do back? You bring it back. Reading, now, he gives actually a baseball illustration, but I don't know if you understand what baseball is, so I'm just going to give soccer. Take the soccer ball, and then you return it back. That's what reading is. The more... Active you are in reading, the better reader you will be. There's no such thing as passive reading. And that's what I just mentioned before. It's like you're reading the book, and then you're passively reading it. And before you know it, you say, I have no idea what I just read. And now I have to go back and read it. You've got to be an active reader. Let me give an example of what he says. This is page five, very early on in the book. This is what he says. He says... First, to call attention to the fact that reading can be more or less active. And second, to point out that the more active the reading, the better. One reader is better than another in proportion as he is capable of a greater range of activity in reading and exerts more effort. Talk to me now. What makes one reader better than another, according to Adler? The one who exerts more effort, who is actively trying to read and discuss with That's right. He is better if he demands more of himself and of the text before him. So that's why I tell my kids all the time, you got to read with a pen. When Bodhisattva loans a book to me, I will not read the book if I can't mark it up. Now, thankfully, I have a great friend who says, not only you may mark it up, he says, you must mark it up as long as it's not with a red pen. Because he marks it up with a red pen. So, great. I, I won't read a book. Even if it's a great book, a 10, it's the only book there, and I can't get my hands on it, I don't want to read it. Because if I can't mark it up, I'm not actively engaged, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. Now, Let's say you're reading a book, and you don't understand the book. Mortimer Adler says you've got three options, all right? Here's Happy, I say Happy, and by the way, Happy, she's just reading so much. Every time I see Happy, she's got another Mandy book that she's working through. And they're thick books are like this. Suppose I give a book to Happy, and I say, you've got to read this, it's so good. And she starts to read it, and she says... 
I don't understand this. I don't understand what it's saying. What do I do? Adler says you got three options. Option one. If you don't understand it, you get help. You say, teacher, what did Paul, Sister Melinda, kind of, I don't understand this. Can you explain this to me? That's option one. Option two is, you put the book down and say, I can't read it. I just can't do it. Option three is the best option. That's what this book is all about. Option three is that you go from non-understanding to understanding by pulling yourself up to understanding. By applying the rules that he's going to give us in this book, you move from, I don't understand this chapter. But I don't have teachers. Now, in school, if you don't understand something, you raise your hand and say, teacher, I don't understand. But you can't ask Mortimer Adler the question. He's dead. And even if he wasn't, he's on the other side of the world. So you've got to figure out what he's saying by pulling yourself up to understanding. That's the best of the three options. Well, let me give you his definition of reading. Could someone give me your own definition? How would you define reading? What is reading? Lloyd. Reading is to understand what you are reading. Okay. But you can't use the word inside the definition. <laughs> but hey, good try. That, was, that wasn't bad. Caleb? Reading is meeting with the mind of the author. Hey. Okay, that's pretty good. But then, couldn't you say listening to a sermon is meeting the mind of the author? How would you distinguish between listening and reading? Reading is recorded, listening is not. Okay, okay. Anyone else want to try? It's actually difficult to define reading. Nathan, you want to give it a try? Reading is gaining knowledge. Okay, okay. I think gaining knowledge is a part of reading. Listen to what Adler says. Thus we can roughly define what we mean by the art of reading. Now let me stop right here. This is key. If you hear something like this, if you're going through a book and they say something like, thus we're going to define beep, 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 beep. There ought to be sirens going off. Anytime an author says something like he's going to define something, that's an important point. So you can see all the markings I made in my book. This is what he says. So we can roughly define what we mean by the art of reading as follows. And I love that he says the art of reading. Because to Adler, reading isn't something you just throw together. This is art. This is skill. You hear people come to this book and say, ah, oh, they make fun of the book. Ha, ha, ha. How to read a book. Well, obviously you know how to read. So how are you going to read how to read a book? That's silly. Well, Adler's, Adler knows all about you, mister. He's ready for you. See, that word read can mean many things. And he understands that you have to have a certain level of reading, even to read the book, how to read a book. 
But he's not trying to teach us how to read elementary. We're going to talk about that in a moment. He wants to take us to a kind of reading that most likely you don't have. And he wants to take you there. By the other reading, as follows. The process whereby a mind with nothing to operate on, this is somewhat lengthy, so if you're trying to write this down, do your best, but it's kind of a lengthy sentence. The process whereby a mind with nothing to operate on but the symbols of the reading, readable matter and with no help from outside elevates itself by the power of its own operations. Well, let me just give you my short definition. It is moving from non-understanding to understanding on your own. It is taking your own ability, taking readable matter, or if you want to call readable matter symbols, it's by looking at symbols and being able to move from non-understanding to understanding. That's how he would define reading. Now, there are different kinds of things that we can read. And he would give three different types of material that we can read. He would say you can read information. He would say you can read for understanding. And he would say you can read for entertainment so info understanding and entertainment now let's start with info 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 is like the newspaper it's like a, it's like a magazine it's easy he says this one is the easiest of all entertainment. An example of entertainment would be the Daily Sun. I wouldn't even put the Daily Sun in information. It's just entertainment. It's just stupidity. It takes nothing. You can just put it there and it's, you just have your eyes go by. It doesn't take any effort. But this one right here. Reading for understanding. That's the challenge. Now I know that we live in a world of equality. Everyone is equal. There is no inequality. Are you suggesting that you are better than me? And Adler would say, if that author at that moment is not better than you, then you cannot learn. The very essence of being helped by a book and by gaining an understanding is that at that moment, there is an inequality. He is superior to you, at least, maybe not in everything, but in that particular book. Take anything. He's superior to me, at least in what he's talking about. And if he's not superior to me, if he doesn't know more than me, if he can't argue better than me, then why am I reading this? There is an inequality between us, and the process of reading is from me to move from inequality to equality. 
I'm trying to bring myself up to understand. We ought to bless God for people that are superior to us. John Frame is better than me. Maybe not in basketball. Maybe not in some things. But in this particular subject, he is my superior. We're not equal at all. And I praise God from that, for that. So we can only learn, essentially, from our betters. And we overcome inequality by reading. And so the goal of this book is to teach the art of reading for the sake of this right here. He's not trying to teach us how to read the Daily Sun or a web page about how to find where Louis Tricard is located on the map. He's talking about how to move to understanding. Well, another point he makes in the first chapter is that being someone who reads widely and being someone who reads well is not the same. Someone who reads widely is someone who reads a lot of different books and a lot of different subjects. But just because they read widely doesn't mean they read well. They may read widely and read something that they don't understand. They may misunderstand it. They may misread it. Uh, what do you call a 10th grader? What's another word for a 10th grader? Sophomore. Sophomore. Why do they call it 10th grader? Sophomore. Actually, a 10th grader, a 10th grader in some ways is actually much more dangerous than a 7th, 8th, or 9th grader. I mean, you would think that. You would think a 10th grader has more, more knowledge. Why do they call a 10th grader a sophomore? What do those words mean, Audrey? Yeah, can we take apart that word? Sophomore. What words do you hear inside sophomore, Audrey? Sophia. Sophia means wisdom. wisdom, and more comes from what word? Moros. Moros. Moron. You know what a moron is? <laughs> it's an idiot, right? It's a fool. So a sophomore is a wise idiot. It's someone who's got enough knowledge to make himself dangerous. He's got a little bit of wisdom, but he's also a fool. He's at that age, you know, he's 10th grade, or maybe he's, a, he's a, in the second year of university. He's a wise fool. That's why they call him a sophomore. Well, that's what some people are where they're a wide reader and they read all these different things, which means they got all this information to make themselves dangerous because they misread the book. If you are in a class and the teacher is teaching and you don't understand, you can raise your hand. But if you're reading a book, and all reading is, is gaining understanding from an absent teacher, it's the same thing. You can't raise your hand and say, I don't understand. What you have to do is you have to bring your mind to understanding with this. And that's what he wants to do. Well, that's the first chapter. In the second chapter, he's going to talk about the levels of reading. And he would say it's very important that you don't call it kinds of reading. He says you have 
levels of reading. And he says it's important to call them levels and not kinds, because the levels all build on top of each other. You can't have this one unless you have this one first. Okay? Those are the levels of reading. And again, he's urging us to put forth great effort in our reading. Children, listen to this, because sometimes I see my children reading outside, and, and that's fun to do, but then you see a bird chirping, and then you see your friend playing soccer, and you find yourself just skimming over the page. Listen to what Mortimer Adler says. The goal a reader seeks, be it entertainment, information, or understanding, determines the way he reads. The effectiveness with which he reads is determined by what? By the amount of effort and skill he puts into his reading. In general, the rule is this. The more effort, the better. He wants us to be an active Hard-working reader. And he gives us four levels of reading. And the first level, he would say, is called elementary. Elementary reading asks the question, what does it say? The cat is in the hat. Cat is in the hat. Well, we don't care what the name of the cat is. We don't care why the cat is in the hat. We don't care anything about the hat. We just want to know what those symbols say. The cat is in the hat. That's elementary reading. The second kind of reading is inspectional reading, or we might call skimming. You might say, ah, that's silly. This is a very important level of reading. We'll talk about what that is. And this asks the question, what is the book about? When you do this kind of reading, you're asking, you're trying to answer the question, what is this book about? Here's the third level of reading. Analytical reading. And this is the, the most, this is a complex kind of reading, and that's what this book is written toward, right here. This kind of reading. He takes the majority of the book to talk about analytical reading. And then the final kind of reading, I should say level, is Syntopical reading. And syntopical reading is the most complex because it's bringing many books together at the same time. You might call it comparative reading. When you're doing this kind of reading, you're reading one book, maybe one sentence. If you're doing this one, you're going through it quickly. 
If you're doing this one, you're reading it very carefully. But if you're doing this level of reading, you're bringing all of these books together and combining them. That takes skill. Well, let's talk about that first one. Elementary reading. Let me read a quote here from page 23. Well, before I read that, I was actually hoping my wife and Melinda would be here for this particular subject because they know this a little bit better than I do because they're homeschooling moms and they, they know about the history of teaching little children how to read. Seth, if you have any comments on this, you're welcome to give these. But generally, when you teach little children how to read, uh, there's a method called uh, the ABC method or phonetics where you are teaching them A, B says ab, and A, D says ad, and you're teaching them how to do that. Put the phonetical items of the words together. But after some time, they started teaching children a new method, and it was called the look-say or the look-see method, where you would just take whole words at a time, and you would try to understand what it was saying. And so you have whole groups of people today for maybe a hundred years almost now, using an inferior form of reading, where people don't know how to read very well. In fact, Adler says over and over again, if you, read, if you go to these speed reading courses, speed reading courses are really just trying to remove the obstacle of this one right here. People just don't know how to read well. They've never seen a particular word and therefore they don't know how to say it. He says there's four stages of elementary reading. I'll go through that quickly. You've got the zero to six stage. That's when they're just, um, they're just using motor skills, how to open up the book, how to see, how to speak. Interesting, Adler says, don't push your children to read too quickly. Does anyone want to guess why he says that? I would think, hey, as soon as they can say anything, just feed them books. He says, sometimes... It can be dangerous if you force books on children too quickly. Anyone want to guess why? Caleb? Because, they'll, because they won't read books that are hard. They'll read books that are very simple. Mm, that's not what he says. You want to try it? Uh, I think maybe if they make uh, errors at the beginning, it would be hard to unlearn. Oh, yeah, you are on the right track. He says... If, if you push them before they're, they're ready, and they do poorly, they'll hate reading. And you're essentially teaching them to hate reading early on. So just don't, don't force them to go beyond what they're capable of doing. Then you've got the first graders, and they're learning three, four hundred vocabulary words or so. Second through fourth graders are uh, now growing in their vocabulary. Fifth through eighth graders reach the final stage where uh, they're basically reading sentences and understanding paragraphs. But then he says this. 
All of these different methods of teaching, this is probably one of the only sentences in the book I don't agree with. All of these different methods of teaching elementary reading were successful for some pupils, unsuccessful for others. So he essentially says, all of those methods of teaching children how to read are equal. They were successful with some people, unsuccessful with others. Personally, I think there is a superior way of teaching children how to read and an inferior way of teaching children how to read. And if you don't have children yet, or you're getting ready and you want to teach them how to read, I would research that, how to teach your children how to read in the proper way. Page 29. Can you relate with this at all? He's bemoaning the fact that you have students who go to 12 years of high school and they still can't read well. Then they go to university for another four years and they still can't read well. Then they go to graduate school and they still can't read well. He says, we're doing something wrong here. How can you go to 20 years of school and you still are not able to do this? You might have a degree, but really what you need is a book and you need to apply these rules. This is what he says. One should not have to spend four years in graduate school in order to learn how to read. Four years of graduate school, in addition to 12 years of preparatory education, and four years of college, that adds up to 20 full years of schooling. It should not take that long to learn to read. Something is very wrong with this. Amen. And that's what you see. You see people coming out of schools and they're not able to do this kind of reading. Now they might, he'd say sure, sure, you can do this kind of reading. Great. So you can laugh at the title of this book and say I can read it, but he's going to say you don't know how to do this one, this one, and this one. So that's what he's after. And he says it early on because he wants, he's anticipating a person's argument that says oh, I know all this. I know how to read. I know the English vocabulary. He wants to say, you're not as good as you think you are. Well, let's go to the second kind of reading. And the second kind of reading is this one right here called inspectional, or we might call it skimming. Now, why is this kind of reading important? Okay, we established this. You learn the vocabulary words. You know what how to read a book means. You know what those words mean. But now what is the second level of reading? And he would call it inspectional or skimming. Why is this level important? He gives two reasons. The first reason it's important is suppose you have all of these books right here. And you're not sure if you want to read that book or not. How do you determine if you want to read that book or not? Well, I'll tell you what I do. I go up to that book and I say, Life Under Compulsion. I'm going to read that book. And then after that book, I'm going to pick up this one. Signs and Wonders. Oh, the gates of Zion. That's a gem. I'm going to spend a couple hours reading that. Well, Adler says, why? These may not be good books. In order to determine if you should read these books at this level, and if you want to do this level, there's 15 rules, and it takes a lot of work. 
But why are you going to apply 15 rules of reading to this monstrosity? This is a bad book. Don't take too much time on this. So what you need to do first is apply this level. So why should you do inspectional reading or skimming? I'll tell you what it is in a moment. Well, the first reason it's important is because it helps you determine if you should read the book or not. Second, inspectional reading is important because we all have limited time. To skim a book means to go through it quickly. Take the book, read the title, you read the back. You go to the index. You go to the table of contents. Mm -hmm. Seth? Can you go through these slowly? I think that what you're saying is going to be very helpful. Can, yeah. If you want to write them down, maybe. I am, I am actually going to give... Okay, I'll just do them now. Uh, let me give you a few ways that you can skim. Okay? He's going to give some practical ways that you can read, uh, that you can skim a book. The first thing you do is you look at the title and you look at the author. So just go from front to back, all right? So you start here, and then you slowly turn the book to its side. And now you look at the publisher. Now the publisher is important. You say, I don't care about publisher. That's like saying, I don't care if it's a Ford. I don't care if it's a Ferrari. I don't care if it's a Lamborghini. I don't care if it's a Toyota. I don't care what kind of car it is. I just want a car. We don't say that. I don't care what kind of church it is. A Baptist, Pentecostal, Word of Faith, ZCC. No, this right here tells you if it's ZCC or Baptist. This tells you if it is Mahindra or Toyota. And you need to learn these, especially when it comes to Christian books. There are hundreds and hundreds and thousands of publishers. But there's not that many Christian publishers. There's a couple dozen, maybe, Christian publishers. So you need to learn these, and after a while... You'll start to have trust. Oh, Toyota. I mean, I don't know a lot about cars, but Toyota's shop. If you pick up a book and you say, oh, Banner of Truth. You can't go wrong with Banner of Truth. You pick up Banner of Truth, you can't go wrong. Now, if you pick up a different publisher, oh, yes, hey, some Mazdas are good, some Mazdas are not good. It kind of depends. That's what this is right here. And then you just keep on rotating it, and you go to the back. And oftentimes, they just give a beautiful summary of the whole book on the back. And so you just look at it and say, all right, what is this book about? Hmm. All right. Oh, it's recommended by, it's recommended by so-and-so. John Piper. Ooh, I trust John Piper. That must be a good book. Then after that, you go to the front. Hmm, the table of contents. And you go to the table of contents, and the table of contents tells you, boom, boom, boom. All right, this is what the chapters are about. Then maybe you go to the back, and you see a scripture index. Ooh, I like that, a scripture index. It tells you, uh, if I go to a book and there's not a scripture index, uh, maybe there's not a lot of scripture in the book. Then I go to the uh, author index. Then I go to the bibliography. And then after that, I just kind of skim around. And I'll just go, I'll just jump in the middle and I'll go to, all right, chapter 10. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph. And you'll be able to kind of tell, hey, that was kind of 
He's kind of witty. He's a good writer. I can see he's a good writer. Oh, that, was a, that was a terrible sentence. Look at that. There's a typo. There's a typo. That's not a good sign. So, uh, now, nah. <laughs> we're, we're going to... So, Seth... Uh, Seth, this is great. So he, he said I could look at this book on gangsters. And not even, you can tell a lot of things about this book. Ne the neon yellow, is that tells you something right here. This is, and if you think, ah, uh, it doesn't matter. R.C. Sproul, who's now in heaven, R.C. Sproul had an entire table talk edition on why they used the colors they did in their magazines. That is something that we thought very carefully. And then, okay, I took this, I took this, and then, okay, went to the side, all right, and then I went to the back. And I thought, okay, I don't know the author, I've never heard of him, I never heard of the publisher. Oh, but I'm gonna read the, the blurbs, the recommendations. The recommendations were very poorly written. Okay, that tells me something. Okay, nice. Look in here a little bit, all right. And I'll tell you something, okay? So I encourage you to do that. All right, so those are some practical ways that you can uh, skim through the book. Now, there's another reason that you want to skim. He would say it's helpful actually to superficially read a book. Now, normally the word superficial is a negative term. What, what do I mean if I say, uh, you know, that, that girl, is, I, I don't think you should, I don't think Caleb should marry that girl. She's, she's very superficial. What do I mean by that? Maybe she's beautiful on the outside, but doesn't have a strong character on the inside. It's just kind of outward. Just, it's not, there's not a lot of depth. Yeah. I think the idea generally is there's not a lot of depth. He'd say there's something to do with reading superficially. Don't feel like you have to read through a book very, very carefully the first time you go through. He says there are so many people who hate Shakespeare and have never read all the way through Shakespeare because the teachers, when they go through Shakespeare, they stop at every single word and they take out their dictionary and they look out the word and they go to this place and this place and this place. And it's, look, just, he says, just plow through it. Just go through the book. And if it's really good, you're going to go back anyway and you're going to get the most from it the second time around. So there's something to be said for taking whatever. Taking a book like this and maybe reading through it superficially before you're trying to read through it very, very, very carefully. We ought to read well and not necessarily fast. We need to read at the proper speed. Should we drive our vehicle slow or fast? There's no way you can say either or. You need to drive your vehicle at the proper speed, at the proper place. Should you read books quickly or slowly? It depends with the book. Let me read to you page 39. He says this. With regard to the rates of reading then, the ideal is not to merely be able to read faster but to be able to read at different speeds and to know when the different speeds are appropriate. Nathan, 
I see you thrown in this area. At the end of each week, Nathan brings me a stack of books because we put him on Goodreads. Sessie Amy recommended Goodreads. Goodreads is just a website that you can record all the books that you're reading. And so he brings me a stack of books, and I have my computer, and I say, all right, give me the first title. And Nathan says, Johnny Longlegs. That's one of the books he read recently. Johnny Longlegs. Okay, Johnny Longlegs. Okay, we look it up. Click. Five stars. There's one star, two, three, four, five stars. Uh, two stars. That was very good. All right, two stars. Next, The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Find it. What is it? Five stars. Oh, yeah. The Hobbit. Now, what Nathan needs to learn is that he should not read Johnny Longlegs at the same speed as Tolkien. I'm guessing the author of Johnny Longlegs was not quite up to the level of Tolkien. Right, him. Okay, so Adler says, read at different speeds and you have to determine what speed you should read at. Well, you say, but I have a hard time reading quickly. Listen to this. One of the reasons, and by the way, I'm not saying you should read more quickly. Some of you are reading slowly because you've developed bad habits in reading. You were never taught how to read correctly. In fact, listen to what Adler says about how, why many people read so slowly. Listen to what he says. Films, that is, movies of eye movements, furthermore, show that the eyes of young or untrained readers fixate, that means concentrates, as many as five or six times in the course of each line that is read. So you'll read, pause, read, read, go back, go back, someone distracted you, okay, go back, read, the, the eye is blind, so he says, the eye is blind while it moves. It can only see when it stops. Thus, single words are at the most two-word or three-word phrases are being read at a time in jumps across the line. Even worse than that, the eyes of incompetent readers regress as often as once every two or three lines. That is, they return to phrases or sentences previously read. So we read, read, go back, read, read. Have you ever, um, I've seen this at our church many times, someone will read a sentence, okay, they'll start reading a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who, who's it? For God, so, so they go all the way back. It's like, they're going, and they got the momentum that stopped. They said, I'm not going to get up the hill, so I'm going to go all the way back. Get my momentum going up there again, okay? Well, that's what people do. That's what Adler says. People struggle. Untrained. Okay? So, he gives us an exercise. He gives us an exercise. He says, this is what you should practice doing. If you get in the habit of doing that... He says, take your two fingers and put them on the book like this. Place your thumb 
and two fingers together. Sweep this pointer across a line of type a little faster than is comfortable for your eyes to move. Force yourself to keep up with your hand. You will very soon be able to read the words as you follow your hand. Keep practicing this and keep increasing the speed at which your hand moves. And before you know it, it will have doubled or trebled your reading speed. That's what he says. We move across and we move it a little bit more quickly than is comfortable. And before long, if you get in the habit of doing that, you'll be able to read better. Now, uh, I have found uh, another point in Adler that I think I disagree with a little bit. So I'm giving you obstacles to reading well, right? One of the 